Alrighty, we're introducing our very first guest. Um, he is an optometrist with a local private practice and a longtime resident from St. Pete. He graduated from the University of South Florida, St. Pete, and earned his doctorate in optometry from Indiana University's School of Optometry. He has served as a St. Pete Young Professionals volunteer and volunteer with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Vision Bus. He is now running for the open District 8 seat on St. Petersburg City Council. Our first guest ever on Eat Inmate St. Pete. Please welcome Dane Kuflicki. Yay! <laughs> Hi, Dane. It's very good to be here with you, Kelsey and Tracy. <laughs> we're Thanks happy to coming. have you. We're Thanks so much for having you. me on. So you were you were raised in Pinellas County in St. Pete. You said I, I wasn't sure because people mentioned Seminole, and I don't know if they mean Tampa or like Seminole. Oh, like Seminole Heights? <laughs> yeah. Seminole, Seminole Heights yeah. or Seminole, Seminole in Pinellas County? Seminole, the real Seminole. Real Seminole. Yeah, five yeah. minutes from the beach, Seminole. So, okay. Yeah, I grew up in Seminole and uh, went through all the Seminole schools. I graduated from Seminole High School in 2004. Okay. And I moved to downtown St. Pete, actually a block down the road. Yeah, it's so funny you um, said that. Actually, yeah. a few blocks down the road because the first time that I came to St. Pete, I was living in the dorm at... USF St. Pete. So they've built Did you go downtown here? Is the, that so USF St. Pete is this downtown location? Yeah, yes. Downtown location. So it's literally just a few blocks away. Yeah. Um, I was going to school and I went to actually I went to the Grand Prix race in downtown St. Pete. Love it. Yeah. This was, I did that this year. Yeah, this is two thousand and four or two thousand and three. And I went down to the race and I saw that they were building a dorm mm-hmm. and you know, I saw the USF St. Pete campus. And my eyes just lit up. You're like, I need it. Yeah. They had signs out front that said, you know, new student dorm opening up next year. Apply, you know, to go to the U.S. or to go to USF St. Pete. And at the time I was going to SPC and taking a couple classes. Got it. I went to UCF my first year over in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And did a year over there. Decided to come back, go to it's SPC. That's, that's the biggest school in the U.S. This is the biggest school. It's now? the biggest school. I know. So I feel like it's like... I, I, I had so many friends that were like, yeah, I want to go to, you know, UCF. And I'm like, oh, it's so big. <laughs> it's huge. Was it huge, you know, when you, your first year there? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was kind of in that phase, I think, before it really blew up. Yeah. So they had an, a number of dorms, you know, the old school dorms that, mm-hmm. you know, residents were, were living in for a long time. I mean, students were living in. And then they built a couple big new dorms. Mm-hmm. And that really started to take off. And yeah. by the end of my first year, they were already building, I think, like six like more? other <laughs> dorms that were twice the size. So, yeah. you know, when um, when I got done with my, my first year in Orlando, I really was looking to to get out of Orlando. Orlando yeah. just kind of burned me out. You right. Know? And I, I had a few friends that I went to school with at UCF from high school. And they were all leaving, too. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to come back. I'm going to go to SPC. Save some money. Mm-hmm. I was working at the Blue Marlin Bar Aww. over in Indian Rocks Beach. Mm-hmm. And that was really like education in its own. Uh, we could talk about that in another, <laughs> another, another, we, were another server, we were all we were servers. We were all servers. <laughs> yes. really, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've <laughs> served, For many years. Yeah, I served and worked in the restaurant industry pretty much ever since I was... 16, 17. I worked at Publix when I was 14. Yeah. For a few years. Because that's how you get, that's how you work here. Yeah, that's where you go. That's where you start. You can work at 14 here. I just think that's funny. So anyways, came back to SPC and then I saw this USF St. Pete dorm that was getting built and I was going to all three days of the races and I kept, you know, leaving the race and looking at the dorm and saying, 
something about this dorm is, is calling my name. Aww. So I applied and I, I got in and, you know, they put me up on the, the seventh floor in the penthouse. Wow. With, with three other guys that were absolutely incredible. We had the time of our lives Aww. there. Are you still in touch with them? Yeah, yeah, I am. Actually, cool. uh, I was talking to one of the guys the other day. Um, That's awesome. So, yeah, we lived uh, in 710. And if you are listening and you went to USF St. <laughs> Pete and you happened to live in the residence hall or hung around people that live there, there's a legend to that, that room. The legend really? of 710, yeah. And it was just a spot where... You had all of these kids that, you know, were coming from really all over the Tampa Bay area, some from out of state, and they were living in this dorm. And the dorm had absolutely no idea how to, you know, really engage in residence life because it was the first dorm right. on campus. It's new. They yes. Know. Yeah. So there, you know, there was a, um, a residence hall director, but he went home after 5 p.m. and he didn't stay there on the weekends. Although the, he had his own... The RA? Yeah, or not the RA, because there are there RAs on each floor. Oh, okay. Yeah. But the like the head. Yeah. The, head the adult. The yeah, the adult. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. The adult went home. Yeah, so <laughs> the adult went home at, at five, and although he had an apartment there in the building, he, he really didn't live there, because he, he had his family. Oh, okay. In like Palm Harbor, so... So know, it was the I, Wild West. It really was the Wild <laughs> West. So, and we were... I don't want to say we were the sheriffs, but we were like the de facto, you know, people that everyone would come to, you know, because mm -hmm. I was living with three other guys. Two of them were at least two or three years older than me. You know, I just turned 21 and a lot of the kids in the dorm oh, okay. were Younger? 18, 19, yeah. right. so they looked up to us. We were yep. like the guys. So you're boys. older and you're in the penthouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were like the guys. You know, kids would come to us and... Um, you know, be like, hey, I just broke up with my girlfriend or I just failed this class and they would be looking for advice. Mm -hmm. You know, we would, it was a dorm setup where you could drink alcohol if you were over 21. So, oh, you nice. Know, we, we it wasn't were, like a dry uh, building. It wasn't a dry building. Yeah. Um, there were kitchenettes in each room. So, you know, we would cook meals for people. You know, oh, that's we would nice. have, you know, get togethers and really, we were the, the heart of the community there for the <laughs> school. Uh, anyways, we had the, the three of us out of that room became senators in the College of Business. And I think that oh, was okay. the first round of actual like senators that they had for the College of Business because they really didn't have any student life on campus before that. Yeah. Or as commuters for student life. And the president of the student government lived right across the hall from us. And the vice president too. And then the treasurer was down the hall. It was really like this community of, of people and kids that were really starting to see that they could have an impact in the community or an impact on campus. And mm -hmm. it was really neat. I really kind of got that bug for, you know, um, community service or higher education service or like a council, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, when I was at USF St. Pete, and we did a lot of really cool things. We built brand new basketball courts and volleyball courts. You know, we got the ball rolling on a whole new constitution that really laid forth the groundwork for student life to prosper and grow on campus. That's really cool that you were like at the start of all of that. That's yeah, so it, awesome. It was really neat. And you know, whenever I go down to USF St. Pete, it's, uh, it's almost like an emotional sort of feeling because, mm -hmm. you know, the basketball courts and the volleyball courts that we, you know, worked through the student government to get built, they were torn down and now there's a big new dorm there. And you know, there's new basketball courts and new volleyball courts there. So 
it's neat that they kept that, but it's neat that student life is growing. Mm-hmm. Um, in the campaign that I'm running, which we'll kind of probably get to in a little oh, bit, yeah. you know, I reached out and um, got in touch with a lot of student volunteers from USF St. Pete, and it's just cool to kind of be on the other side saying, hey, you know, I was in your shoes 10 years ago, and, you know, I was looking for knowledge on, you know, academics, but also knowledge on life that I could used to grow as a person, mm-hmm. you know, make myself a member of the community. And, you know, I'm reaching out saying, hey, I'll be a mentor, I'll be a guide for you through this political process and be an open book if you want to learn and find out about it. You know, maybe you might meet some people that offer you a job down the line. You know, there's a lot of fantastic people in this community in St. Pete that are truly doing amazing things, mm-hmm. you know, all different types of businesses that they've started or careers that they're in or passions that they have. So it's kind of neat to kind of be touching on that. So, how did you get interested in politics? I really am not interested in politics. Yeah, <laughs> it's the uh, it's one of those things I've really always avoided. Um, <laughs> you know, when it came to you know political conversations at the dinner table or the family gathering or out of the brewery, I'd be one of those people that typically would check out. Yeah. Did you have a family that was pretty on the same side or did you have like a split or, you know, were somewhere on the side and somewhere on that side or you know, where I, it was just kind of like, you know, it would get like steamy, like, you know, and you just didn't want to be a part of it or you just weren't interested? Um, more or less, you know, no, none of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a family where it was, okay, there are three things we don't talk about when we're out of family meetings. <laughs> First one's religion, second one's yeah. politics, and the third one is what you eat. You know, because those are the three like things di- that, Like your diet or whatever? Yeah, diet. Yeah. diet don't exercise. talk about diets! Yeah. And you know, we were in a family where... My dad was a PE teacher, so he was an elementary school physical education teacher. And um, Where was he? At Bowder Elementary. Okay. And cool. I know you graduated from Osceola I, High School. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my, dad, my sister it, went to Seminole, though. Oh, did she? But she graduated 2017. <laughs> she's she's yeah. a baby still. <laughs> so my dad is the girls' high school soccer coach. Oh, really? At Osceola High School. Right oh, now, cool. So. But, I did not dabble in sports, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it was always, you know, um, one of those things we'd avoid. So to get back to your question, when did I get interested in politics? Um, I got interested in the city. I've always been interested in the city council and the happenings here in St. Pete because I love this city. I've been someone that's gotten the, the Tampa Bay Times or the St. Petersburg Times for decades. You know, my parents used to get it. You know, once I moved back to St. Peter, anytime that I've lived here in St. Pete, moved back being from optometry school. Mm-hmm. You know, the first thing I, I did was get that subscription to the Times going again, you know, and having that paper at the door. Now I use my iPad and read it on the iPad, but right. the the point I'm trying to make is that I follow the local happenings. You know, I read the mm-hmm. St. Pete Catalyst blogs, you know, um, some of the other community newsletters and things that get out there. And, you know, when it was, um, the la- when we went through the last election cycle, I really started paying a little bit more attention to it. When I came back from optometry school in 2017 from the University of Indiana, or Indiana University, uh, I sort of had this vision that I'd one day be involved in leadership in St. Peter. I'd be someone that would be a leader here in this community at, at a different level than I had been in the past. Yeah. And well, I was going to say it was so strong with you in the past that, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe it just 
being here was like an inspiration. I don't know. Like I just from your whole story of that, like that was like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, I was in a sorority. I thought that was a lot of work. Like, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's like a whole nother ball game. So that was just, I was like, wow, blown away by that. Like I felt like my college experience is not like that at all. <laughs> yeah. I've always, I've always seemed to be someone that, that people were attracted to because I was leading the charge in one way or another, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was getting people together you know, to, you know, be on a sports team or to, you know, go out, you know, at night or, you know, go to a OAR concert together, mm-hmm. which I've been to many, we can touch on that later. <laughs> um, so I was, I've always been the, the ringleader, if you want to say, and I think as I matured in life, you know, we talked about the, the USF uh, Center on the College of Business. Um, I was the treasurer at, at Indiana University where I went to optometry school. Oh, cool. And really enjoyed the, the council work that I did there. I was always kind of one of the most ambitious people on the council. You know, even, you know, to uh, the chagrin of the other council members because they would be like, hey, we just, we gotta, we gotta study for exams. We need to, you know, make sure we're doing this, this coursework. And I was like, yeah, but we gotta get this bill passed. We gotta, <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta start this endowment fund. You know, we, yeah. make, we need to make sure that these people are appropriated, um, you know, the scholarships. And I just loved it. And I had the, energy for yeah. it, the passion, you know, like I could eat up that schoolwork. Like, yeah, we got to study. You're like, but, but, but we got to do this. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, when, when I was coming back to St. Pete, I had that feeling and, you know, fast forward to when we bought a house uh, over in North Kenwood, you know, and that's you know, so started, funny. We live in the same neighborhood. Yeah, right? <laughs> it, it, You know, started to, to set the roots down over there after renting for a while. Over yeah. Coffee pot by you. Um, I looked at the city council position and I saw that Amy Foster, the current city council member, is mm-hmm. you know, going to be on her way out in mm-hmm. January 2022. She's term limited. And I started looking at it, and I was talking to a few friends, and everyone was like, yeah, you should run. You'd be a great candidate, a great city council member. And I was like, hmm. So maybe it wasn't like particularly like your idea first. We were like, you should do this. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, they're like, you know, out of all of our friend groups or friends are like, you're the one that's like always about St. Pete. You're like Mr. St. Pete. You, you, you <laughs> I feel like you're Mrs. St. Pete. Pete. <laughs> I know. And, uh, <laughs> if you could um, get anyone in the country to move here, you would you would spend the whole night trying to ascertain that this is the only place to move, especially here in Florida. So I started looking into the position and the more and more I looked into it, the more and more I would, I would reach these kind of hurdles of, okay, well, you know, that would be a big time commitment. I would have to do this and, you know, I would have to change these things around, you know, because I practice as an eye doctor, you know, um, pretty much, you know, full-time right now over at VIP Eye Care and Optical Boutique. So each hurdle I, I got to, I was like, you know what? My strengths and talents would be really well-suited in this position or really well-served in this position. And I was like, you know, I could totally do this. You know, let me talk to, you know, my practice owner and she, see if she's okay with me going out a couple days a week you know, to pursue a council position. And she was all for it. Um, she loved the idea. And, you know, I, I started to tell people, okay, well, this is why I want to do it. And everyone's like, this is why you, you definitely should do it. Yeah. And, you know, and the things just, you know, everything just kept aligning. And the, the funny thing is, is that I was talking with Nina, my girlfriend, and um, we were kind of getting to a final point where I had been bringing this up to her and she's like, well, you know, keep talking to some people, see if it's a good idea, you know, keep thinking about it. And we were sitting in the couch or sitting in the living room on a Saturday morning and 
you know, I was like, hey, if I, if I do this, if I'm around, would you support me? And she's like, 100%. She's like, she's like, you've looked into it. You know, you know what the, the job entails. You know what the campaign entails. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'll be by your side. I'll give you, you know, 110% support. And I heard this knock on the door. I was like, like, d- like yeah. at that conversation? Yeah, like right <laughs> as we were having this conversation, um, kind of towards the tail end of it. And I was like, all right, it's probably the Amazon guy, you know, uh, <laughs> or the UPS girl bringing us, you know, um, something that she had ordered. And I opened the door and it was two people in like voting t-shirts and they were actually there collecting signatures for another candidate mm-hmm. that's running in the council race to get on the ballot. And I was like, yeah, you know, like tell me a little bit about him, you know, uh, where's he from? Like, you know. That's like. like- so weird that yeah. that happened at that moment. And um, you know, I signed this petition to run. You know, I think it's it's fantastic for for people to to run for local office or run for office in general. Um, you know, that's part of our great democracy and having candidates. You know, having mm-hmm. people that step up to the plate. Um, so after uh, after you know they had left and I closed the door, I came back in and I said, "Babe, that was the sign." She's like, you know, I was like, "This other <laughs> this other guy's doing it," you know. If I don't do it, and I feel the, the, the will and the, the passion in my heart to do it, I'm going to you know, get five years down the line and look back at it and say, gosh, I wish I would have ran. You know, like, how come I didn't do it? You know, why yeah. did I let my fears or how long you know, those hurdles stop me? Uh, four years. Okay. Yeah, four nice. Year and how many people are on the council? So there are eight different council members mm-hmm. representing one apiece from each of the eight districts in St. Pete. So if you look at a map of St. Pete, mm-hmm. um, you look at a district map that splits it up into eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so District 8 is bounded on the south end by the Grand Central District and okay. the north side of Central for the most part. On the east side by the highway, 275. Mm-hmm. On the north side by 40th Avenue North. Okay. And then it kind of takes a little bit of like an anvil or triangle shape out to the west and ends like right on the Tower Run area. Got it. So it's a pretty big area. Yeah, we're looking That's at big. about 65,000 residents. Wow. So here's one thing that I've gathered from what you've been saying is when you were young and went to USF, you had your first taste of getting things accomplished to make your city, and in your case, your little city was the college, the college campus, and you had success with it. So you see how one person putting their mind to something can make a difference in their environment. So I think that is something that you have grown. You still see that you can make a difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? You still have, you have that in you. I've never had any interest in doing anything like that, getting involved in city council. But um, when we moved downtown here a couple years ago, I started to see the traffic issues downtown with people who run the um, crosswalks and and do different things down here and I think to myself I need to make do something that is going to fix the problems and I feel like I can do it I can do something that will make a difference I don't know who to go to or who to talk to and I'm not saying I want to run for city council because I probably would never do that but would if I had those issues, would I go to my person like you for your district? Like, where do I bring issues to? What do you do? I yeah. guess is what I'm asking. What does a city council person do? So depending on the issue, yeah, you can totally talk to the city council member. And your city council member here is Gina Driscoll. 
Okay. And I don't know exactly where Gina lives, but I know she lives here <laughs> right around this uh, central block. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's somewhere you can just go kind of, you know, maybe see her while she's walking her dog in the street. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know if she would feel happy with about that, but uh, I would. You know? <laughs> um, so I, I'm just a, the kind of person that would, you know, walks down the street and waves to, to random, you know, strangers and neighbors. But um, yeah, your city council member is totally someone that you could talk to about it. Um, most of the neighborhoods in St. Pete have really good neighborhood associations. So Kelsey, like where we're at. In I want to actually go to the one on Tuesday, the meeting on Tuesday. I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so your neighborhood association president, and ours is Stephen Hersfeld, mm-hmm. you know, fantastic guy. You know, they could be a catalyst for bringing things up, you know, before the city or, you know, finding the right department to kind of lead you to. You know, a lot of the times if it's, traffic or you know speed bump related issues or people speeding you know, well this street to... here fourth avenue south how many accidents have we had oh i had an accident you yeah, your neighbor had, had an accident yeah. we had a woman come up here speeding uh took out like seven cars totaled like a bunch oh, of cars wow. all the way up the road and here. then it was so weird and then like two weeks later, two weeks later someone car. hit me and we, it was it's a four unit house and the guy that also lived there um, luckily he was up at like three in the morning when it happened. Um, cause we didn't even see, I had like a ticket form thing on my car. Like you were involved in an accident. Cause I didn't even know someone just hit our cars at three in the morning. Oh, <laughs> and, um, it was Surprise. like, it was just crazy. That it was like both me and my neighbor's car. Like we, cause we were parked like literally right next to each other. It was just, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. And I, when I was parking there, I saw a guy almost get hit by a car that was turning in while he was driving his bike. So yeah. You know, anytime you have a lot of growth occur in a city, you know, like St. Peter's had, you mm-hmm. know, you're going to have issues like that. So, you know, the city council and the different departments within the city can be, you know, folks that can change things for that, you know, can, can make change in those areas. Um, so neighborhood association president, you know, city council member, you know, or finding the, the correct channel or department within the city to, to bring those, those concerns up to are things that I would totally suggest you know, as a city council member, uh, they're basically the house, you know, the house of representatives mm-hmm. for the city. Um, mm-hmm. Here in St. Pete, we have a strong mayor form of government. Um, so the mayor, you know, is going to be able to make some decisions without, you know, always consulting the city council. But the city council really controls the purse strings. You know, they are going to be, you know, uh, a catalyst for you know, coming up with new programs or fixing programs, you know, kind of bringing the, the reins in on some of those um, or introducing, you know, new ideas. So there's lots of different things that the city council does here in St. Pete. And it's really the closest form of government to the people, you know, your state government or your state legislators or Senate or your federal legislators or Senate or the president, you know, those are the big issues that people always want to talk about when they're talking politics. But the local issues and what the city council does are going to have more impact on your life. So for me, you know, this is a position that I decided to run for because, you know, this is the community that helped raise me into the man I am today. We talked about some of those different, you know, factors or, you know, um, hurdles along the way or, you know, things that I've done throughout my life. And this is an opportunity that I saw and thought, okay, I'm qualified for this job. You know, it's a good time personally and professionally for me to do something like this. And I'm willing to stand up and run and campaign to do something like this. 
And it's, it's something that I've found out through the first three months of the campaign. It really isn't for everyone. And it takes a, a certain individual or a special individual. I'm not saying that I'm special, um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, I think my mom would say I am. So <laughs> it, it takes, you know, it just takes a certain type of, of person to run for mm-hmm. an elected office because you have to go out and knock on doors, you know, mm-hmm. strangers' doors, you know, right. neighbors' doors. Can't be a hermit. Yeah, you can't be a hermit. You got to have <laughs> conversations with people um, and be willing to have conversations with people, you know, even when... You know, it's your downtime or you're tired or, you know, you're waiting in line for the bathroom at Three Daughters (laughs) and you just really got to go. But, you know, someone wants to talk affordable housing policy, you know, you got to be able to do that. And, you know, the campaign is one thing. It's really a marathon, you know, of doing that and also raising money. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's one of the the difficult things to do is ask people for money. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then also be going to meetings, you know, before work, after work. I still work full time. So, yeah. you know, I have to kind and of hockey. work around that schedule <laughs> and, and playing ice hockey, uh, knocking on doors on the weekends in this uh, nearly 100 degree weather. So um, at each, you know, start of the day and end of the day, I really tell myself, OK, this isn't about me. It's about serving St. Pete and filling, you know, that role as a servant, a public servant, you know, to the best of my capabilities so those days where I'm tired or you know really don't feel like going out and and knocking on doors you know I remind myself about that play myself a little song an OAR song (laughs) wonderful day and uh, you know that always gets a smile on my face and and gets me going out the door and that first door that I knock on or that first meeting that I have I'm reminded of that and you know just that energy starts bubbling up and I feel like if I'm in the car and I just turn on music like Maybe it doesn't even have to be my favorite music, but it just puts me in that, like, I don't know what it is. It, like, pulls you out of your own thoughts into your own, like, little, like, den of thoughts, and it just puts me in such a better mood. Just driving in my car, just listening to music, or even just listening to the radio, like, I'm like, it feels so much better. I don't know what it is. I'm the same way. Yeah, (laughs) I feel you on that. I'm a big, um, big music guy, big live music guy. Yeah. I love live music. Yeah. And you know what? The first time I started listening to live music was when I moved here. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Where at? Um, I love to go to Ringside. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. I love Ringside. Um, I've been to the Hideaway, Ruby's Elixir, yeah. um, the Floridian. Have you been to the Floridian yet? Um, yes, yes, yes. That place is awesome. It is yeah. unbelievable. They did an amazing job with it. And I booked... Um, so I'm one of those people that puts together, you know, fun things. So... Um, I had a friend of ours is moving to South Carolina that I'm very sad about. And um, <laughs> so I had dinner with a bunch of our friends and uh, we did dinner over at Sauvignon. Have you been there yet? I haven't. I really want to try Awesome. And we did dinner there. And then after that, we went to the Floridian and you can actually rent the, there's two private booth areas that are up a few, sta- a few steps yeah, right next yeah. to the bar, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're on either side of the bar. It's a $500 minimum spend. Yeah. But there was 14 of us. Oh, that's easy. So I'm like, surely 14 of us could drink $800 worth of cocktails. <laughs> or 500 We ended up doing 800 They have really good cocktails, They have too. great cocktails. Yeah. And my favorite is called the Shelby. It's sort of like an old-fashioned. Oh, yeah. Delicious. Really, it's really, really good. good. Do you remember what I had? Because I don't remember what I had. No, something fruity. I don't. She goes for fruity. I go for bourbony. Yeah. Yes. Have you all been to the old state theater before? Before they uh, 
Nope. Have you did it? No. Nope. Knows the Floridian? No. So I remember going to concerts at the Old State Theater and even seeing the, a band that, of guys that I went to high school with. And so to have those memories and then go to the new Floridian yep. is, um, it's just really something else because I can almost see those bands still on that stage and, yeah. you know, you sit back and, you know, it's just a truly St. Pete feel. I've gone on nights where they had swing dancers, you know, swing dancing up in the front there and the aerial acrobats are, are something that's really yeah. truly unique they're amazing they're incredible yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a place that you know really holds a lot of you know weight in my heart especially knowing the history of it and going and seeing yeah. you know new shows of learning it's such a cool place yeah St. Pete has like totally changed my life and I was like very reluctant to leave Tampa I wanted to leave new Tampa because that's like suburbia yes and I was going to move to South Tampa and then Jonathan is like honey let's go move to St. Pete because he used to live in Old Northeast mm-hmm. and um it was a long time ago but, but his house was and that was probably like back when it was like so it was different. so different yes yes this was like 20 years ago maybe he lived in Old Northeast Anyway, he's like, it's really cool, honey. It's new. There's all these shops and restaurants. And I'm like, I'm not going over that bridge. There may as well be a moat dividing Tampa and St. Pete. I'm not going over that bridge. And then we, he finally convinced me to come over here one day. And I was like, why have you been keeping this from me? He's like, I told you. I told you we should move here. And then it took a while because we couldn't find anything that we really wanted. We wanted something modern and spacious and... Mm-hmm. It was really hard to find it at the time. <laughs> they were about to close on a property. We were going to close on one down. and we had to get out of it because it, it was, was so bad. Even yeah. though you're buying new construction, that doesn't mean you just take the builder's word for it that it's great. You still want to have your own independent home inspector come and do a home inspection. So I had a home inspector come and do a home inspection and fail it on so many levels. Brand new construction. So we brought the inspection report to the builder and said, okay, here's what we found. And he's like, well, I'm not changing anything. Either buy it or you don't. And we're like, okay, we don't. And so um, we'd put $40,000 down. Oh, wow. And we'd been waiting 18 months for this thing to be built. And then he's like, okay, you don't, but I'm keeping your $40,000. <laughs> and Jonathan's like, oh no. He says, I am retired. I have nothing to do all day but irritate you (laughs) until I get my money back. (laughs) So he's like, okay, we'll just give you your money back. But Jonathan had to sign um, a gag order that he wouldn't tell anybody all the things that were wrong with the townhouse. Like he wouldn't go talking to people about it. Yeah. 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 But he got, we got our money back on it and then we ended up finding this Mm -hmm. and this was still in the construction phase. So this is how we ended up here. It took a while, but we're here and we're so happy and we love this place. It's beautiful. Yeah. The city is like a dream come true. It's perfect. It's really not a big city. It's a small city. And I think that's what I love about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, you know, it's, it's something that St. Pete, has in its identity and character it's never really been a big city it's right. becoming a very popular city yes as an eye doctor at vip eye care and optical boutique i really see pretty much the majority of the new where's that place located by so the way? We, we have a location on fourth street 
and 22nd Avenue North. Okay. In the JMC building right across from the rally. Okay. And then we also have a location closer to the Carillon complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's kind of right across the street from the St. Pete Clearwater Marriott in the okay. Roosevelt Lakes building. Mm-hmm. A really cool brick building. So I, I practice between both locations and see the majority of the new patients at the practice because Dr. Henry's been you know, practicing for 20 years or more and you know, she has her base and she's kind of riding things out and doesn't need to... She's like, take all the new people. <laughs> yeah, she, you know, she, she's like, I don't, I don't need more people. She's like, I got enough people, you know. So um, I would say that on a typical day of seeing 12 to 14 patients, I see at least six or seven that have moved to the area within the past two years. That's crazy. Wow. It really is. And, you know, <laughs> people are moving from the Midwest, they're moving from the Northeast, they're moving from California. I was going to say the West too, yeah. Uh, a, couple, <laughs> a couple from Washington State the last uh, two weeks. That I just met of. someone you that did? moved from, oh, not Washington State, I was thinking Washington, D.C. But yeah, like, yeah, we ran into a couple with their dog walking, but keep going. Yeah, so, you, <laughs> so you have people that are being drawn to St. Pete because it is such a cool city. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I'm really focused on as a city council candidate or, you know, future member of the city council is that we really need to do our best to preserve the character of St. Pete. You know, it can't turn yes. into the next Miami. Right. Tearing and, things um, down. Tearing everything down and building new. Is that yeah. what you mean? Um, yeah, we can't, you know, we can't just have a bunch of And also be run by the, the wrong area. people too, um, like... I feel like a lot of sky rises there were started by the wrong people. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, I've been watching Startup on Netflix, and like it's based in Miami. And I'm just like obsessed, and it gets a lot of the history of Miami. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> I, I haven't seen that one. But... So can I ask you about affordable housing? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about affordable housing. So affordable housing. What does that mean? Is um, so affordable housing really? You know, I, I like to use the the term attainable housing because a lot of people hear the the word affordable housing and they think Section Eight housing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe this is different than that. Yeah, maybe yeah. they grew up in in a big city up north and they they saw the the projects. You know, they're mm-hmm. like I don't want that in my backyard. Right. Um, so affordable or attainable housing or workforce housing, you know, really is going to compromise a few different points, right? You know, there's going to be you know, people that are working and make a good living, but they just can't afford to live in St. Pete anymore because it's becoming entirely too expensive. So expensive. Yeah, my girlfriend's a realtor and a real estate She's broker. a realtor. Oh, nice. Right? <laughs> and, um, you know, every deal that, that is getting closed right now is going over asking. Mm-hmm. And I would say about 80% of them are Oh, cash I went 20000 over asking. I bought my house in March. We got to go 10 over, you know. <laughs> You know, I got student loans. I might be a doctor, but, you know, I have student loans to pay, yes. you know, and, you know, I'm not making a killing, you know, with um, that burden of that. So, you know, you get to a point where your teachers, your firefighters, your accountants, you know, maybe your, you know, uh, social social workers in town, you know, your That you want to keep here. Yeah. Like, you don't want to kick them out. Is that your, yeah. Exactly. Your servers, yeah. your bartenders, you know. Uh, the hospitality, you know, crew, and then also people that are anywhere on the scale from being homeless, mm-hmm. you know, to, you know, maybe they're working in a minimum wage job and they have three kids, you know, they got to have a place to live. They're part of the community. Everyone's part of the community here. So the real issue is trying to find places in a, you know, a, a waterlocked peninsula mm-hmm. that you can 
have affordable housing or attainable housing. So, you know, I think the. the so, what real, exactly does that mean, though? Like, what does it mean to have like attainable housing? So it, it means that when you are on all of these different income levels that are going to be below someone that can go in and just put a cash offer in on a place or, you know, get a, a regular mortgage mm-hmm. in this, you know, environment that we're in right now, um, that they would be able to, to live in that community mm-hmm. and afford to live in that community or be able to find a place. So, you know, the, the issue is not a St. Pete issue alone. It's happening in, in it's all, all over the country. Yeah. All of your big cities. Yeah. Especially with the and this market. over asking price, my family lives in Canada and it's the same thing there. Okay. So this is happening everywhere. Yeah. It's getting expensive to buy a house. In fact, my sister, oh, I can't, I can't tell that story. Oh. Whoops. Sorry. I can always take it I'll out. tell you the story, but yeah, my I'll take sister it Lori and her husband, he's um, a nurse for an optometrist. Oh, nice. Optometrist, right? Yeah. Yeah. For an optometrist. And they, he's um, like a surgical nurse. They make great money up there. They can't afford to buy a house up there because Canada has very different and very complicated rules for mortgages. There's no 3% down. It's 20 to 30% down. And the cost of housing there is absolutely insane. It's way more expensive than it is here. There's no three, $400,000 houses up there. Houses are $800,000 a million dollars. You know, you guys have seen these. Yeah, they're very expensive. My mother has a very small townhouse that's two hours north of Toronto. So it's not even close, not on even on a subway line or a way to get to Toronto. And, um, it's a two bedroom, one and a half bath. And it's, I think she paid two night, two ninety nine five years ago. Yeah. Now it's six, $700,000. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. But anyway, it's happening everywhere. So yeah, it's, it's happening everywhere in places that people want to be. So she'll edit all that other stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the main thing is that we want to be able to, as a city and as a community, be able to have people that are in these different brackets, be able to find places okay. and live here and be part of the community. So both my parents were, were public school teachers. My dad was a PE teacher. And my mom was a early childhood pre-K intervention specialist. So, you know, they didn't make a killing, but they were able to, you know, collectively buy a home. You know, we, we lived a good middle-class life in Seminole. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I grew able... up in Largo, which oh, is... Oh, right yeah, yeah. I was born in Largo. <laughs> I, there. I was born so, in St. Pete, and then my, my mom's grandparents live in Pinellas Park, but then I grew up in Largo. Okay. <laughs> but, so how do we get affordable housing? Like, is this going to be new construction affordable housing? It's going to be a mix, you know. And ulti- how are you going ulti- to get builders, convince builders to sell and build houses that are $300,000 houses? Is $300,000 considered attainable housing? I wouldn't say that's attainable by most, no. So, um, but fifty. I think the, the way that you do it is you do it through policy and you do it through changing some of the zoning codes um, and some of the building codes um, to really allow developers to come in and build multiple units or build a, a duplex or, you know, like a, a row of townhouses or affordable houses, whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. on a parcel rather than come in and build a McMansion on that parcel parcel. And then also be able to or have a sky rise that you're selling, you know, a million dollars a unit or something like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, we're talking about a lot of this density really going to, you know, organically occurring along the the main transit corridors, you know, your main kind of density corridors that spread out from downtown. Um, 
not in the the single family neighborhoods that have been established and have been in the area for a long time. Like but Kelsey's neighborhood. Yeah, you know. We'll, so somebody could go into Kelsey's neighborhood and start building like hundred fifty thousand dollar affordable housing, but what would that do to her appraisal? So what, you don't want to drag her down. What that looks like is you know maybe someone goes into North Kenwood and there's an open lot, and they say, okay, I'm going to build something, you know, either a duplex or a little quadplex that fits the character of that neighborhood because you're going to have these character designations through the architectural Right, because I guess when, you, when you're building like a duplex or a quadplex, like it's then when you're selling them, you're still making your money back, but it, you what you're saying is, is like they're making their money back by just building one house but making it like multiple units, right? Yeah. Is that, you, is that, that's what I'm getting. You drive yeah. the cost down. And, yeah. You know, in, in North Kenwood and Historic Kenwood, even in Old Northeast like we were talking about mm -hmm. before, you know, I've been walking the streets and knocking on doors and there are these quadplexes or... I wonder if you came to mind. <laughs> there are uh, these duplexes. I have the house with the dog that wants to kill everyone, so <laughs> I don't know if you've come up to my door and she's wanted to murder you. I might drop a palm card and, and uh, move on. But, so you start to work these in and you work through the zoning and planning to do that. You also um, be smart about some of the public you know, state funding and, mm -hmm. you know, county funding that we have and the programs that are available there. And you incentivize the developers to come in and build some of these units. Um, so you incentivize them through what? Through, through different, um, programs, you know, mm -hmm. where they can kind of either get a kickback or, you know, maybe, you know, you change some of the, the codes where they don't have to build it up as high or have as many windows, you know, oh, these, okay. um, these are some different These little tools. like things that will bring just the cost, these little things, just a lot of little things that bring the cost down basically. Yeah, you know, there's different um, tools through through zoning and policy changes that you can really use to get these things done. And I'm very, very optimistic that we can get it done, but we also have to be very aggressive and, About it, yeah. and really, you know, change the tide and say, hey, this is something that we're going to go all in on. You know, because really the city hasn't, poured in too much money into affordable housing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always been a buzzword in the campaigns. That's what I think too. Yeah, every time that someone's running, they're talking about mm -hmm. affordable housing. Oh, affordable housing, yeah. We're gonna well, I think that's why we wanted to ask you because I feel like I just learned a lot about what it really is because I think people think Section 8. It's like yeah, no, people it, get them mixed up. And so I'm glad that we were able to like have that conversation because I learned, I just learned a lot. Like, Have you heard of the, the term NIMBYism? Mm -mm. No. So not in my backyard. Um, oh, okay. You know, there's a organization called Yimby St. Pete. So yes, in my backyard. And they have some of these proposals out that really are written from a developer's perspective. You know, local folks that have been here and really care about the issue and saying, okay, we're going to fix this issue, you know, and, and this is how we fix it. You know, you know, we're, we're developers, you know, we are home builders, you know. It's about getting are, like the right people yeah, to want to do this. Yeah, yeah, we care about these issues and this is how we fix it, you know. Um, so... In terms of, you know, getting a seat on the council, I'm going to be someone that says, okay, let's go in and solve this problem. Let's get to work on doing it rather than just use it as a buzzword in the campaign. Yeah. And forget about it once I'm in office. So, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done on that. So, it's not the sexiest topic, but... No, I feel like that was... <laughs> it's a hot topic. No, for me, I just learned a lot. Like, that was really helpful for me. For sure. Yeah. You know, I've got a lot more to learn on it. You know, once you get into a city council position, I've sat, sat through many different, you know, workshops and meetings on, you know, affordable housing or attainable housing, you know, and I understand, you know, good portion of it, but, you know, once, once I'm on the council, you know, we're going to be really diving in and figuring out 
what exactly can we do code by code? You know, what policies are we, are we currently using? What's working, what's not working? You know, mm -hmm. what funds are available to the city? How can we get this done now and be aggressive about it? Because I, I heard you talking earlier about, you know, how the construction process goes along and it's not quick, you know? So every day that you wait, that line of people that need affordable homes or need attainable homes gets higher, gets higher and higher and higher. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I was kind of mentioning before, you know, my parents, you know, we're both teachers and we lived a mile from the elementary school that my dad worked at. He would come home during his lunch break and clean the pool and make lunch and then go back to work. And, you know, when we were out at Publix or, you know, at Jodo's Pizza, you know, we would see people from the community. We would see, you know, kids that he had in school or even kids that he had in school two decades prior or coached their soccer team. And, you know, they would come up to the table and, you know, have a conversation and chat. And, then, you know, that's something that is key, not only for teachers, but your firefighters, your, you know, policemen and women to be a part of that community. Because if you lose that and you have people that are driving in 40 minutes to get to work as a teacher or policeman or a firefighter, you know, are they going to care about the community as much as someone that lives in the community? Are they going to know the community as much as someone that lives in the community? You know, are they going to be getting to work already tired from a long drive in traffic and then leaving work and having to go home and make dinner and go to sleep and start the whole thing over again? So I really think that when you have, you know, everyone from the community, all these key, you know, like we saw over the last year with the pandemic, these critical workers, these frontline workers, you know, if we don't have them living in the community, you're not going to have that level of care from all of the different levels of the community. I love that outlook on it a lot. Mm -hmm. I've never thought about it that way before. Yeah, it's key. You know, um, that's just the internet fabric of a community. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, there needs to be that opportunity for different folks to be able to live here, even if they can't afford to live here theoretically in today's real estate market. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I'd love to get to know more about, and I feel like people listening would like to get to know more just about you personally, because I feel like it's like, you know, you see these people on the ballot list, and you're like, well, I don't really know this person, you know, and so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, would you vote local elections? I don't, but now I would. I don't either. I don't vote local elections, but I feel like I will now. Actually, yeah. you know what? Ever since the pandemic, I feel like who we have in charge of our city could not be more an, an important decision yeah. because it affects my day-to-day -day life. Yeah. You know what I mean? I so it's like, uh, yeah, I think I better start looking at uh, who we're electing now <laughs> because exactly. it makes a big difference. It really does. And I think, you know, across the country, people have really woken up to that. Um, yeah. I would say that on average, you know, if I knock a hundred doors on a Saturday, one, one question I really always like to ask is, do you know who your current city council member is? No. I would say out of 100, <laughs> 97 probably are no. saying no. And they have no idea. They, they don't know who the one before you know, yeah. our current city council member is. And they may not have an idea of what the city council does. So right. um, you know, one of my key jobs on the campaign trail is education. Mm -hmm. um, also, voter awareness. You know, that's one thing I love kind of you know, talking to people about, especially when I'm doing an eye exam. You know, I'm in the room for a half hour. You know, we're talking one on one to the patient. You know, members of, the, of our community, and you know, we get to talking about what they're passionate about, what I'm passionate about. You know, a lot of the times the city council race comes up, I let them know that I'm a candidate, and they have questions. You know, and I'll ask them, 
you know, do they know who their current city council members? You know, usually they're saying no too. So they want to know about the whole process, and you know, find out where they are in the community, where they live, and you know, if it's District Eight, I'm going to tell them about the the landscape of the campaign field. You know, if it's District Four or District Six, like we're in right now, you know, I'm going to tell them, hey, you know, you have an election coming up. The primary is August 24th. You know, you have a couple candidates in the race. Really get to know them. You know, look into who they are. Don't just look at the campaign marketing materials, but, you know, research the candidates, you know, and most of the candidates that are running, you know, you're able to, you know, in this day and age, find out a lot of information about them, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, can't um, hide now. Yeah, it, or, <laughs> it was easy to find stuff. <laughs> or, uh, or reach out to the candidates, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I'm always, um, you know, keeping my door open on all of my campaign material. I give my personal phone number, you know, my cell phone. And my email address, and I, I always encourage people and tell them, hey, reach out to me, you know, give me a call, shoot me a text if you have a question, you know, or want to get my take on Do you on get a lot of, like, reach, reach out with that? I really don't, no. 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 I was going to say, I'd be scared, though. I'd be scared to give it out because I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm going to get so much, but you don't. You, yeah, think, you no. think that everybody's going to call, but most people don't. Yeah. I'm honestly, I'm the one annoying one who would call <laughs> because and I, and I'm, I'm I have strong opinions. <laughs> and, and I love, I love it when, when I they need do answers. Call. I want answers. Yeah, and I have no problem calling. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think you, you need that openness from a public servant, especially in this day and age. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always you know working the the lines on Facebook. You know, I'm on the email um, channels and. You know, when it comes down to it, you know, that education component and knowing who you're voting for, especially in this local landscape, is real, real key because that's a four-year seat. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. St. Pete is changing by the week <laughs> and, you know, you stretch that out four years, especially this next four years, there are lots of big changes and lots of big plans that are going to be implemented. You know, um, we talk about the, the Tropicana field redevelopment all the time where what are we, seven blocks away from Tropicana Field yeah. right now? It's really the, close. We walk there and go to the games. Six blocks away from the, I've seen, like, the start of the, the, like, the blacktop parking lot. proposals, yeah, yeah, that people have thrown out, you know, yeah. like it's crazy. And, I've been um, looking at all of it. Yeah. You know, transportation is really good to be a big topic here, uh, or public transportation. Um, you know, what we're doing with our wastewater and how we're managing that is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe there's another pandemic in another two years. You mm-hmm. know, how is your city going to... <laughs> <laughs> to react when that comes or how are we going to be prepared for when that next one comes so you know there's lots of, of big things the world's changing by the the minute by the the day you know by the week and especially here in St. Pete you know with the tremendous growth that we've experienced in development of the city these things are key yeah so, so what are you binging on Netflix right now <laughs> so what am I binging on Netflix um <laughs> I am not binging anything on Netflix right now. I'm watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, every yes. every moment that I get, yes. I'm a, you were like when's the, the younger game? version of my stepdad. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a huge Tampa Bay Lightning fan, and I'll usually try to uh, watch the other series as well. Um, yeah. You know, my days right now are see who they're are, up against. Yeah, my days are pretty crazy right now because you know I get home from work at uh, six thirty two days a week, seven thirty. Um, to the other days of the week and then I'm usually doing phone calls or meetings after that mm-hmm. uh, or, or trying to mow the lawn you know uh, <laughs> once a week and keep that looking nice and pristine um is so, your girlfriend into sports too and she watches the hot games yeah. for sure yeah. yeah she's um did you get into hockey in Indiana 
No, I, I grew up, I got into hockey here. Really? Yeah. So that's so weird. So we talked about my dad being a PE teacher, and when Phil Esposito was able to secure the Lightning franchise here, mm-hmm. he was doing a lot of work uh, with the players and with the local schools. Um, I mean, dumping you know sports, you know street hockey equipment on the schools, and my dad being a that's PE so teacher cool. and being a hockey fan himself, you know, was was pushing. He's like, yeah, you know. Every PE period, we're having kids out there, you know, learning how to play street hockey. You know, we got mm-hmm. the lightning come in the town in another two years or a year and a half. And, you know, they did a fantastic job with that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I caught the bug. I was four years old. <laughs> you played street hockey? Yeah, I played street hockey. So when cars and... came, did everybody yell car and you pick up the net and move it? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, all, all the neighborhood kids, you know, car, would be out there. Pick up the net, run to the side, street. So when I was four, my dad took me up to what was was then called Sunblades, and where I still skate today, uh, Clearwater Ice Arena, and he got me in the Learn to Skate program, and it just took off from there. By by the time I was six, I was playing travel hockey on the youth team, and we were playing all over the state. And uh, did you ever think about doing it like professionally? Like, did you ever have that? Have that like dream? Oh, I still think about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's never off the table. Yeah. I think Kevin feels that way too. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I played really competitively. I mean, we, we played um, all over the United States and Canada. I was on Southeast uh, development teams. And How tall know, was, are you on skates? Do you know? So I'm six foot tall on skates. You know, you probably add another four inches to that. But Wow. They, all, they always look like giants. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the skates. Yeah. yeah. Skates, yeah. So... Um, when I was in 10th grade, we had a coach that was really, um, militant and, you know, I was thinking about switching teams and, you know, every weekend was hockey, you know, for, for years on and years. <laughs> um, so I got burned out and I, and I, and I got out of hockey and that's one of my biggest regrets. I, I still, in high school? Yeah. In 10th yeah. grade. And, and I still say that's one of my biggest regrets because, you know, I would have loved to have gone on and play college hockey or, yeah. you know, play in the NHL. Yeah, I was a pretty good player. So, um, yeah. uh, anyhow, you know, I started getting into track and field and uh, wrestling in high school. Um, but I picked up hockey, started playing men's league after I graduated from high school. And, you know, I still play, you know, two to three times a week Yeah. to this day. And I still play with some of the same guys I grew up playing with. So, uh, it's always been That's fun. my favorite <laughs> thing to do. Uh, I love playing hockey, and, you know, especially in this campaign trail and, you know, with the busyness of life right now, getting on the hockey rink is like a fresh breeze. You know, I, I walk in the rink, I smell that smell. <laughs> I know of that the smell. ice surface and yeah. the, the locker rooms. And, um, you know, when I'm on the ice, it's it, scoring goals and, and winning is, is all I'm thinking about. And I love it. So back to your original question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I keep going off on a tangent. Oh, I want know how did did you meet your girlfriend in, in college or did you guys meet outside of how did you guys, no, how we, did you guys meet? we met uh just a little under three years ago um really through friends of friends here in st pete and um you know we just really connected and yeah and hit it off i i you know was um going on a couple dates with her and i got to a point where you know the next week i was going to go to peru with with one of the guys i went to optometry school with and we were going to be gone for like 12 or 13 days. And I had a cat at the time. And, you know, I said, hey, babe, could, do you mind staying over at my place and, and watching Wobi? And she's like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll do it. So, you know, I was like, if you need to bring some stuff Wobie. over, Wobi. <laughs> so <laughs> Wobi. Um, so, um, you know, she, she moved the things, a few things over. And, you know, ever since then, it was kind of like, okay, you're in. <laughs> you know, so, 
Yeah, so um but but yeah, we, we now have three cats together. Aww. And um, you know, live over in North Camwood. So the back to the hockey thing in the, the Tropicana Field, Rita Velma, we were talking about that. You know, when I was playing youth hockey, I used to go and skate in between periods when the lightning played at Tropicana Field, which was then the Thunderdome. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. With my youth hockey team, and it, you know the the memories I have every time I walk in that building, you know, it just brings me back to those days and and those times, and you know all the memories I've shared watching the Rays over the years. How do you feel about redevelop the redevelopment of that? I think that um, it, it's going to be done. You know, mm-hmm. it's inevitably going to be done, and we really need to not swing for the bases or the outfield we need to swing for the stands um so there really aren't any other places in the country where you have a 86 acre swath of land in the middle of a downtown right. you know <laughs> bustling city mm-hmm. that's going to be up for redevelopment so the raised lease you know ends in 2027 you know we might see some construction before that the mayor has been narrowing down a set of plans you know it's down to two plans what now. do you think of the mayor so we'll get to that in just a question. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, so you have uh, you know two pretty neat plans on the on the table right now. Um, so I think that it's going to be on the next council to decide what inevitably happens at the Tropicana Field site. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that things have been moving very fast uh, in the current administration. You know, or the mayor, you know, is really trying to get things done and, mm-hmm. and, you know, make that the final thing that he, you know, completes before getting out of office. And I don't blame him. You know, it's... Um, when is a, he out of office? January of 2022. Okay. So, you know, it's it's been uh, a project that's been in the works for a number of years now. And the talks with the Rays have been in the works for a number of yeah. years now. So he wants to get that done. Yeah. It's um, been a long time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's been I, a long time. I personally think... You know, it's it's kind of late in that mayoral cycle to to start a big project like this and make the final decisions. I think you need to leave this to the next crowd. I agree. You know, the next round yeah. of leadership. Then because, rushing into a decision. Yeah, because you know every point in this development process is going to be something that needs to have some serious consideration, community mm-hmm. involvement, city council involvement, you know, mayoral involvement. Um, so, who my, ultimately decides? City council vote on it. City council will vote on. Okay. It. Yeah. Good. And, you know, between the mayor and the city council and the community, you know, okay. that's the ultimate decision. So, you know, if you you look back to the pier, mm-hmm. and you know, the old pier was torn down in 2013. I got I was, my prom pictures right before they tore because I was class <laughs> in 2013, and I got my prom pictures right before they tore it down that summer. Nice. Yeah, I grew up <laughs> going to the pier. You know, saw a lot of concerts and the jingle bell runs and. You know, fishing with my dad. and I was going to say, it was like a fish mecca <laughs> like, yeah. for a long time. <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, a pier, you know, especially a, a solo pier in any kind of, you know, city is, is a destination. It's a spot where people are going to have memories. Um, so, you know, we, we saw years of kicking ideas around or plans or plans coming before the, the council. I remember the skate park. Do you remember the skate park? <laughs> idea i remember i, so, yeah. <laughs> I was just like what that's, <laughs> that's not the, what no <laughs> so, so these projects take a while and uh, it really you know boils down to different levels of that project kind of being pushed along over years 
I, don't, I hope that this doesn't take as long once we kind of really get to um, the drawing board with it. And I think it's already on the drawing board. Uh, but I think that this is a generational site that was kind of done wrong, you know, definitely done wrong in the late 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the old gas plant district, I've talked to residents that used to live there, their families lived there, and, you know, it was basically raised for a stadium, you know, and that stadium didn't even have a tenant yet. And the large majority of that acreage is blacktop parking lot. You know, it's just sitting there all yeah. day long. So um, I think that, you know, this is a generational opportunity to be a site where everyone from St. Pete can use it, you know, and come to it and have memories and make memories, you know, hopefully see a Major League Baseball game mm-hmm. or maybe a Major League Baseball team, I got my fingers crossed right now, win the World Series, you know, on that land. You know, that is a dream come true for me, you know. I'd love to see a convention center so we can bring in big conventions and shows to St. Pete and fill our hotels up with business people coming in for those conventions. I'd love to see some sort of tech hub or campus where people can come and learn new age technology, uh, you know, sustainability and, you know, next tech kind of things. Um, So, you know, that's, that's critical. I really think that we need to have a center there where our youth, our high school kids or our college you know, um, students can come there and be educated and find opportunities for work, maybe on that same site, you know, have apprenticeship programs involved in that site and also have housing of, you know, many different levels of, you know, affordability on that site and hotels and business parks, um, you know, most importantly, green space. I think that there needs to be some really cool and neat parkland. Um, so this is a project that's going to take over a decade to finish. You yeah. know, this is a lot of uh, concrete and work that's going to go into that that project and you know multi-phase sort of deal as well. So when it comes down to it, we need to get it right. You know, we need to swing for the outfield, and this needs to be, you know, something that is a jewel for our city. You know, um, the pier, which we were talking about earlier. I've had at least four or five people tell me, or I I heard stories of people coming to the new pier, you know, from out of town. They were visiting one of their friends that lives here, family members. And, you know, they went out to the pier on, you know, just a day trip or a night trip. And they said, wow, I'm moving to St. Pete. This place is awesome. Mm -hmm. It's not what you expect. When you you think it's the pier, you think people from the north, honestly, what it was. (laughs) They think it's going to be a long boardwalk where you just walk to the end of it. Yeah, That is what it was though. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I hear that, you know, it's it just touches a spot in my heart. You know, the first time that I went out to the new pier, I went. I think it was I, we went out the the second day it opened. And I we, was so excited. I yeah, was like, I want to go. We Especially it was like like in April, like right when COVID happened. It's like something to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember you went out to the to the end, and there was some music playing, and you know, I stood up on the kind of elevated grass area and looked back at the city, and you know, really, I had tears in my eyes, and I was just, you know looking at this site, you know, and, and knowing what had been there and, you know, how this will be a gener- multi-generational place for people to enjoy, you yeah. know, make memories like my kids, yeah. you know, coming to the pier, grandchildren bringing them to the pier. You know, my sister's kids who were just here a few months ago um, over the Christmas time brought them to the pier and seeing them play on that playground and 
look for dolphins in the water. I was like, yeah, this is my city. It's this pride. They did it so well. Like I just, I remember walking. I was like, this is so awesome. It was so so much more awesome than it was. Like, and day and night, you know, there's things to do. You can spend a whole day out there. So, you know, the, the Tropicana field site is going to be one of those sites that, you know, we really need to hit that emotional string Mm -hmm. when people come there, you know, whether they used to be part of the community that lived there in the gas plant district eight days, you know, or, you know, grew up going to the Rays games or lightning Mm -hmm. games there, you know, or, you know, still are going to Rays games. You know, I want this to be a site and I think it needs to be a site where people come they're like, yeah, this is my city. Yeah. You know, the memories that I had on this site and they're telling their friends and their, their, their children or their grandchildren and, and looking around and just seeing opportunity, you know, in, in so many cool places that can be on that site. I think that's huge. I think it is also going to be a major economic catalyst for St. Pete and for the surrounding region if we make it be. Mm-hmm. And I think it totally can be. Mm-hmm. Don't you think it's going to bring the cost of real estate up even more? I think it inevitably will. Yeah, and that's um, let's let's go let's go down that note too. Um, so, just south of that site, you. Have... I'm all for that because I'm a homeowner <laughs> here. I know Kelsey is too, and it's like okay, I want my house to be worth Same. more money. <laughs> yeah. So, so what neighborhoods do you have just south of the pier, or not the pier, the um, Tropicana Field site? South side. Camel south. Park, Jordan Park. You know areas where, you know. Um, a lot of people are renting, you know, here in Pinellas County, 70% of residents are homeowners, 30% are renters. Mm -hmm. You go just a couple blocks south of Tropicana Field, that equation's flipped. 70% are renters, 30% are homeowners. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you have people that own homes, you know, they they care more about the neighborhood inherently. For sure. Um, So, you know, that's their investment, that's their livelihood. Usually it's their largest investment that they have in their portfolio. So, I think that you're going to see a major boom in real estate values just south of that site. Um, but more importantly, I think that we need to not kick out the, the people that have been living there for right. generations and the families that are there. I think we need to give them tools and empower them to become homeowners mm-hmm. so that they can take part in that equity boom mm-hmm. that is going to inevitably What about place. giving them um, grants for... Um first-time homebuyers or that's what I ended up getting she and but yours was a federal program mine was a federal program but I was looking at like different county ones and the federal one just ended up being a better opportunity for us Mm -hmm. and so but we were looking at the county one yeah for a minute yeah yeah I'm I'm all for looking at whatever opportunities and tools we can use to to flip that equation especially on the south side Uh, I think that's critical and you know with uh, I'm going to say my real estate background because I, I hear every night at the dinner table something I that, bet you, do. you know, outside of eye care and the campaign, um, you know, we're always talking about real estate. So, you know, in contracts and you name it. So I think that that's critical that the South side's included in that equity boom and that they don't lose out on it. You know, I think that would yeah. be a travesty. You know, that community has been um, severed by the development of Tropicana Field you know, you look at the highway going up, there's talks about them bringing that highway down. I don't know what that looks like or if that's a really good and viable option. But I think in, inherently, inherently when we have this site redeveloped or even before that, you know, that equity needs to be shared. Bringing south that of highway the, uh, down? What do you mean? Yeah, there's been some talks about removing I-175 
and returning it to like the natural grid, how it was before, um, so that you don't have that little leg of highway that goes into, I guess, Fifth Ave South. Fifth Ave South. Yeah, right, right here. Right how would I right get here? here. I don't what know. What exit would I take to get home? There, there's some talks about about removing that. Uh, That's I don't not know. a good talk. I don't know how they viable need to not or talk. <laughs> I don't know how viable that is, or if that would be something that would would make it's sense. A terrible or idea. <laughs> That is one of my, that's one of my favorite little stretches of interstate because I used to live at 4th Ave South and 4th Street in the yeah. Sage. And I, yeah, that's I would, how you get home. Yeah, I'll come out of the parking you know, garage and come around and you know, get on that little on-ramp. And it was like green light the whole way. You know? yeah. It was just yes. wide open. Yeah. If you're going to Tampa or down to Fort DeSoto, you know, over to the beaches to the catch you're the sunset. Right there. Yeah, it yeah. was like you were riding into paradise. And yeah. you were the only car on the road. So, <laughs> you know, and even, you know, coming off of that or coming onto that off ramp and heading towards St. Pete on I seventy five, you know, um, you know, there's just so it's, that's one of those drives that always elicits memories. Yeah. Um, in my mind, and I can think of the OAR song that I would play. <laughs> So many times, you know, coming through through that uh, that spaghetti junction and onto that, um, you know, I I one seventy five ramp and you know I, I could just hear that song playing in my mind right now. Um, so it's an OER song and it, it it's called Over and Over, and the line in the song that always that always gets me is like, you know, I can see these city lights on the horizon, you know. Um, and I'm there. I'm approaching them, and uh, this is like my town, you know, and the mm-hmm. memories that come from it. So, Aww. yeah, that's like perfect. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, can I make one request for a song or for uh... no? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, if they, when they rebuild Tropicana Field, can it just be an indoor stadium? I think that we definitely need to have something that has a roof on it. It needs. It has roof. air conditioning. Because you know, we go um, to games all the time. Because it's indoors. But if that was outdoor, no. No, sir. Yeah. It's too hot. It would, and it rains all the time in the summertime. I, I would like to see, you know, new technology stadium ideas or plans where it could be opened up and you can get that open yes. air component. Yep. Um, because I've been to a number of different ballparks around the country and there's nothing like having that breeze come through and be able to see into the stadium you know, right. when you are outside of the stadium. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are creative ways that roofs can be designed, you know, to be yeah, able to open roofs. up a retractable. Like I, I or, used to work at the Sky Dome in Toronto. It or, was the first stadium to have a retractable roof, and that was back in the 80s. Or even... <laughs> we can certainly do it. You know, <laughs> even angling roofs that can slide out um, to, you know, cover the sun and cover the rain. But, you know, I was just at Wrigley Field a few weeks ago, and, oh, man, the... the um, the experience up there is incredible. Mm-hmm. We actually didn't go in the stadium. We were sitting on one of the Wrigley rooftop, yeah, you know, setups there that looked directly into the stadium, and it was just such a cool experience. Um, you know, when you are able to walk around a ballpark, you mm-hmm. know, so say you are, you know, this future Tropicana Field being re- redeveloped, you know, has restaurants and bars or you know offices and businesses or hotels right around it, and it's a, a dense sort of inner city sort of area, right? When you're able to kind of walk down those streets and those avenues and see the ballpark and see the lights and be able I to have some that. sort of view of it, yes, it it really kind of brings you into the stadium even though you're For not sure. in the game. Yeah. And it makes you want to go to the game. 
you don't get that at Tropicana Field. If you're no. sitting at Ferg's, you know, having a beer and looking across the street at Tropicana Field, you can't right. see anything. You just see concrete. Right. Um, so there's a different sort of feel that you get when you can have at least some view into the stadium. And I think that we need to figure yeah. that out. So I think a retractable roof or some way for it to open because this isn't like up north where you have comfortable weather for a good portion of the year where yeah. it's cooler, you know, here in the summertime, it's like sitting on the sun. It's yes. hot. <laughs> and it sucks. Exactly. And I don't want to sit in a stadium and sweat. Suddenly it's like, There's a reason the I don't go to Buccaneer games. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. no. You know, in talking about a stadium too, I think that it needs to be truly St. Pete. I, I think we need to build a smaller stadium or a much smaller stadium. Yeah. You know, that's multi-use and, and functional right. for all ty- different types of events. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to see every beer being poured and every, you know, ounce of liquor drink in that stadium be from a local brewery or a local distillery. That'd be awesome. You know, what yeah. about all the restaurants? You know, make every single stand and restaurant in that stadium yep. a local one. Yeah. You know, so if we're talking about, you know, funding the stadium You know, a lot of people are totally against paying for a baseball stadium, and I don't blame them. You know, I think that we could use our bed tax dollars from tourism Mm -hmm. to fund a good portion of the stadium. We also need to see the Rays pay for a portion of that stadium. Of course. But I think that we really need to stipulate that, you know, the, the honor of having a major league baseball team or any sort of major league franchise um, in a city, you know, you, you don't want to lose that. You know, that's going to be right. to the city's detriment if you lose I that. I agree. But you also have the ability to have an economic engine come from that stadium or from mm-hmm. that team. Yeah. And I think that we really need to, to knock it out of the ballpark in terms of making the best use of that. Right. Um, you know, and maybe in terms of building a stadium, we, we get the community on board by saying, hey, every single ounce of beer, every single drop of liquor, every single... You know, portion of food is going to be from a local company. Right. You know, you are going to support this stadium. Right. Well, it locally. also wouldn't be just baseball. You could use it for concerts. Yeah. You mm-hmm. could use it for festivals. You can mm-hmm. use it for any anything. Like mm-hmm. the Sky Dome in Toronto, they use it for everything. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the Blue Jays Stadium. Yes. It's everything. Yeah. It's conventions. Companies rent it out and they do conventions on the field floor. Um they do. They can do hockey games there. They do soccer there. They do yeah. football there. So everybody has an interest in it. It's not just about the Blue Jays. Yeah, I woke up from a dream the other night that there we. Were, I was in the new stadium. It was beautiful, <laughs> and I was having a beer, and I was I was at a market. It was like the Saturday morning market, but inside the stadium, you know, it was like a big yes. community market. Yeah, um, that's another topic too. Um, the, f- the food deserts and, and food security here in St. Pete, you know, really is in peril for, you know, a decent amount of, of people here in St. Pete. And I think that's something that we really need to tackle. Um, so, you know, having more markets like that, more mm-hmm. availability of fresh produce and local food, you know, is, is a key one. You know, and being in the healthcare field myself, you know, healthy eating and, and healthy you know, habits and exercises, being able to, to get access to healthcare and to, you know, be able to afford to do so or have the means to be able to do so through programs, I think is key. So that's something that I really want to work on as a council member. Uh, also, the, the mental health crisis that we have here. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of people that 
you know, are very productive and, and able-bodied people, but they've run into mental illness. You know, and I've had friends that have run into mental illness or addiction problems. And, you know, when you, when you look at a community, we need to really be supporting those people because they've gotten to a point where they really can't support themselves because of mental illness uh, or homelessness. You know, a lot of those coincide together. Um, So, you know, those are, are things that we really need to pour our efforts into combating um, and I think that, you know, we can totally do that. We have lots of people here. You know, I knock on doors and talk to, you know, retired people that have been in that field that are willing to volunteer and they've reached out to volunteer, but they can't find the right channel, you know, in order to volunteer. So I've got some ideas on that, but that's another one. You know, I want to can... do some volunteer work. I have an idea to, I, I've decided I wanted to volunteer doing something that would help women who need help. Mm-hmm. And not just single moms or, you know, you know, it just, I just want to help women who need help. Do they need help with learning how to get a job or ideas, getting their idea? Like, I don't know where to go though, to find who could I give my time to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. what organizations, how do you find good organizations to volunteer with? I think there are organizations like that in St. Pete. You just got to ask around. Yeah. I don't know of any personally, but... I've asked people and everyone's like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, just, just right here at this table, I mean, you want to you wanna volunteer, you have, you know, a passion and you have, you know, the time to volunteer, you know, and I'm sure that you look around and there's thousands of other people that are in that same boat. Yeah. So, you know, rather than create new programs and use city and taxpayer money to hire people to do those things, you know... What would it look like if we had a brigade of volunteers, you know, constantly, you know, with their hand up saying, hey, I'll do it. You know, we could have programs on the city website, you know, where it's all volunteer stuff. And we have people, you know, raise their hand to go ahead and tackle those different things, you know, whether it be for, you know, a couple hours or a couple of days to maybe even, uh, you know, like a part time thing where it's a volunteer basis, you know, that mm-hmm. they're, they're retired, but they still want to you know, have some time out there seeing people, you know, just like you have the greeters at Walmart. There's so many people that, that want to do that job. It makes them happy. They get to talk to people. It's a hard job to get because so many people want to do it and they want to get out of the house and be friendly, you know, say hello Mm -hmm. to people and they're not really looking for the paycheck. But whatever um, happened to Ribfest? I am not entirely (laughs) sure. I think they just didn't have it this past year because of the pandemic. No. It ripped because I was so excited to move to St. Pete. So I'm a big barbecue fan. And I was like, we'll go to Rib Fest every year. And Jonathan says, they stopped doing Rib Fest last year, honey. And that was like two years ago. So it's been gone for a while. I feel they like used to I do it downtown here. Yeah, they do in the Vanilla Park. Yeah. Um, they haven't done it. We need to bring yeah. Rib Fest back. <laughs> I, I don't think it's gone, but really? it's going to be wrong. <laughs> Just, so what do you think of this mayor? You know, I, I met Mayor, uh, mayor Priceman a few weeks ago, and you know, I've been living here in St. Pete. I think he has been a really good mayor. You know, you look back at the last two mayors or the last three mayors, and there hasn't been a lot of change, mm-hmm. or you know, there hasn't been a lot of you know really neat things going on in St. Pete. But we saw that really kind of turn over the last eight years, and you know, it's easy to be a critic in some circles or armchair critic when you mm-hmm. don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Right. 
And I myself am, a, you know, that critic sometimes, you know, of certain policies or decisions that the mayor or the city council have made. But um, overall, I think he's done a, he's a done fantastic a job. job. Um, I actually don't know anything about him. <laughs> I really don't. But, <laughs> That's yeah, why I'm asking. There, Is he good? There's been, um, you know, a tremendous amount of growth like we were talking before. Mm-hmm. And I think that the administration and mayor have really been able to guide us through that. Mm-hmm. Very effectively. Do you think that administration is responsible for the growth? Or not necessarily? You know, I, would, I would say in part, you know, setting up some of the policies and, um, you know, some of the zoning changes to allow for the city to organically grow like that. And yeah. also, you know, push to have some of that growth in certain areas. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Is he running again or can he only run twice? So Mayor Christman's term limited. So this is uh, the oh, end okay. of his so second term. Got it. And yeah. now, do all city council people we revote at the same time for them? No, not at the same time. Everybody so, at a different time. Yeah. So there were. I think that's probably what makes it confusing. There, yeah. There were four <laughs> seats up for election. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's five now because one of the the city council members uh, is running for mayor now, so he gave up his seat. Oh. Um, and also, one of the other city council members is is running for mayor, but I believe she was term limit or her term was was getting up this uh, cycle anyways we're ending the cycle so um who the, should we vote for for the new mayor do we know who the candidates are yet we do know who the candidates are who so are there know. are i think there's six or seven candidates right now oh really yeah we'll there, google it there could be eight so <laughs> yeah. the, we want lo- a breakdown of each one <laughs> you know, there, there's lots of um, <laughs> tell us who to vote for <laughs> there's no, lots no, of, we'll research it there's lots of different ideas okay. you know um, i would say do the research you know most all of our mayoral candidates have their platforms kind of laid out and um We'll have to look into this. You know, there's yeah. information out there on what they're running on and you know what they believe. And when's election time for you? So the primary is August 24th. Okay. And that is just within the district. Um, and that's, so that's just me, that's not you. For the city council members. And okay. then the top two candidates out of the primary mm-hmm. for each district will move on to the general election. The general election is November 2nd. Okay. And then the city council member... Uh, will get chosen after that election. That's a citywide oh, so, election. So okay, so the primary is August, but then the second one is in November. November, yes. Yeah, so okay. the, the primary is district only. Mm-hmm. The general election in November is citywide. Got Everyone it. In the city Got can it. Okay. Um, now for the mayor. Yeah. You know, it's not by district. So in the primary, um, you'll vote for your mayoral candidate, mm-hmm. and the top two out of that will go to the general election, mm-hmm. unless one of those candidates gets. Over fifty percent majority. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think we'll see that happen this year because there are so many candidates. Right. <laughs> um. So, you know, it's probably going to come down to two, and and then on How November. Exciting. I know. It really is. Once you it start, to, once you start to uh, to look into I it, I wasn't like, interested in politics. You gotta know. Look at me. Yeah. And I, I love I'm that. I'm asking questions. I want to Google things. Yes. Yeah. I, I love that. You know, I love that you say that because um, that's, now I want to know. One of the things I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, hearing from people after I talk to them and kind of let them know, like, hey, this is going on. This is something that you need to, to look into. You know, don't just get it to is. the ballot box and choose someone's Stupid name. Stupid question, where do I vote? So you can either vote by mail or vote at your local precinct. Okay. Uh, wherever your voter registration um, do you know where your precinct, I think is? precinct my, is laid out. I think my thing is still here. Mine's the church by Williams Park. So you can change oh, to your new address because you just moved I mean, in a couple no, months ago. I mean, it's only like five minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> but we want you voting in District 8. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, you have to vote oh, in his district. Oh, that's yeah. true, true, true. Okay, so I need to change that. 
Yeah, change it. Yeah. Change I'm still here. Too. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming here. Um, do you want to plug all of your stuff, like your Instagram, your website, everything, so people know? Yeah, we can do that. Yes. Yeah. 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 So uh, if if you want to to look into me, um, my website is www. Dane D A N E Kaplicki K U P L I C K I dot com. And you can also find me on Facebook, Dane for St. Pete City Council. And uh, feel free to reach out to me by email. My email address is Dane, D-A-N-E, the number four, council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L at gmail.com. Cool. Awesome. awesome. Are you on Instagram too? I am on Instagram. But not um, personally. Personally, I'm on, uh, I have a personal account on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I do have a city council account, but... You know, I'm just finding that Facebook's the easiest way for me to get information out to people. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, um, you know, with limited time, I got to do, you know, what comes easiest and where I can reach the most people. So. Got it. Oh, quick. Yeah. Favorite three restaurants in St. Pete. <laughs> favorite three restaurants. That's give a good three. one. Give me three. Just um, give me three. So my favorite, or our, my, our favorite restaurant recently closed. It was Sophia's on Central. I loved it. We right loved by the it Saint. Too. Yeah. So yes. uh, Sophia's was our go-to and it was literally 10 blocks from where we live. Um, but we're always big fans of Anada. Oh, love on Beast it. Drive. Um, I love Ferg's. Okay. Yeah, that's just a uh, a, a place where Good I feel beer. home. Cold beer. Good beer. Good beer. Beer sport fans too. Beer is so cold. Yeah, cold beer, which I love. And yeah. their mahi mahi sandwich, the black and mahi mahi sandwich, is, good? is really good. All right. And I'm a I'm a again. big you know critic of fish sandwiches. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm a connoisseur. Grouper, yeah, right. connoisseur of a, a good grouper sandwich or mahi mahi sandwich. Well, thank you for and that. I'm third try restaurant, it. I would say, would have to be. Oh, Doc Ford's. Yeah. yeah. Doc Ford's oh, on the, yeah. at the pier. I we love haven't sitting out there yet. Doc Ford's? Yeah, I love sitting out there. Yeah, I've wanted to go bar. there. I haven't gone there yet. It's really good. I've the, been to Teak and Pier Teak and all that down there, but I haven't been to Doc Ford's yet. The beers are good. The Bloody Marys are good. The, especially the Yucatan Shrimp Bloody Mary. Um, and I love sitting at that back bar. We'll, we'll just pull up two chairs at the bar and you, know, you can see the pier. Um, to your right, you can see the downtown skyline. Yeah. To your left, you can see the planes coming in and landing yeah, at Albert Wood. I love that. I love, yeah. It's yeah. just such a cool place. And there was that live music. You can see the water. Yeah, that's just a, a real feel good spot. All right. Well, the Mahi Mahi is on my list then. Right. <laughs> yeah. Go for a Rays game. Go for a Lightning Stanley Cup game we too. Will. We will. Yeah. We love sports. So we'll definitely do that. Thank you. Cool. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the show. (laughs) Alrighty guys, make sure to follow us on Instagram at eat and meet St. Pete podcast and follow Tracy at Tracy and Sunshine City and um, and Kelsey at Kelsey with nine S's underscore. (laughs) Hope you have a good week guys. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.